Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to another show of Choose Positive Living right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest is Anthony Tux. We have a lot to talk about in a short period of time. If you know my shows, you know very often they go long. We're going to be talking about fast-tracking to becoming, well, he was a fast-tracking becoming a young star in the NFL, uh, but he had a dark past that caught up with him, and it nearly destroyed everything he had to work for. So he had to do some perseverance and learn a very, very valuable lesson about identity shifting and he did that and he learned to apply it to his own life and now it has become that wonderful catalyst for other people to follow on their own lives but we're also going to be talking about um, foster care uh, from where he came from and uh, just the, the horrific things that did happen to him that should never happen to a child and as you know if you've listened to my shows before I'm an advocate for children and the way we bring them up and how we invest in them and uh, and how we can actually make their shift happen um, so that they don't have to go for all the turmoils that we do as adults. Let's get straight to it. Welcome to the show, Anthony, and thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Let's uh, let's dig in and have some fun. I, I love how thorough you are. I see me fun. Okay, I want to turn your clock back to when you were a child, and uh, uh, your parents had to give you up, and, and you, you talk in, in that piece of, you know, you getting in the back of the car, crying, leaving your mother and finding your other siblings there and being separated, sent to different homes and then home after home. And at one point, even being chucked from the car and chicken coops and, and just everything horrific that no child should ever have to go through. And, you know, when you look back, you know, there is a choice that you have to make somewhere along the line of that I can give in to this or I can say enough is enough and stand up and learn from it. And that really happened to you when you were in the NFL um, where, you know, uh, an injury happened that kind of hit you as the cosmic two by four and redirected you. But let's go back to your youth a little bit. And if you could just give us a little background on that, because you certainly found your strength and your courage, um, but it took a while for you to do so. So if you wouldn't mind just turning the clock back a bit. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but you covered a lot of the intro stuff. Like it was, my mom didn't have to give me away, though. She actually just gave me away and the siblings. And you get into uh, in what's called the foster care system. The foster care system uh, is a very interesting place because you're considered what they call a paycheck. And what that means mm. is, as long as I don't die, they get a paycheck for me. When a lot of kids age out of the system, they end up just getting homeless because moms and dads and foster parents, they don't get the check anymore. Oh, you can't live here anymore. They're, right. they're just a job. Mm -hmm. And so what ends up happening is I go into this world and from the age of three to six, I just, I'm bounced around. Yes, I'm put chicken coops for us to chase meals to earn or chickens to earn meals. Uh, I didn't get meals. And if I, I snuck out and tried to sneak food in, I would get beat for doing so. I was putting ch shopping carts, pushed down hills. I was, I was forced to lick the bottom of kids' shoes until my tongue bled. Is it's very heinous stuff. And so what yes. ends up happening is emotionally, you'd assume what happened is you're a shut down person. Mm -hmm. Anybody who has to experience any kind of torture in that manner, you start to have a disdain for humanity. There's just like a, a desire to like get retribution, revenge, or you just don't like people or don't trust people. Yeah. So and that's naturally what happened to me. And, and a lot of foster kids that experience those things, it's just, it's the natural flow for us, unfortunately. And then at six years old, I got moved into what would be my final home. And there's a new, like a unique distance from like real life in a sense. And the unique distance was I was the only black kid in this poor, all white family. Mm -hmm. So there's a difference in terms of who I saw myself to be and where I fit. And just, it was a weird dynamic to be quite honest. And so I spent a lot of years trying to figure out who I was and actually not letting them accept me, we'll call it. I, mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I, I wanted to be there. And whenever we're in environments where we don't want to be, we never think about what if I found a way to enjoy this place? Yeah. We get in jobs we don't like and, and all these different things. But for me, like, I don't want to be this house. So I was, I was not letting them love me. And it took eight years ish for me to finally go like, wait, these people love me. And although we don't have much, I'm one of six kids. Like they do love me. And so I realized that also a place I wanted to be with my real mom was not the best place for me. Mm -hmm. A lot of individuals don't think they don't think about this. Like I want to be there. And we never question like right. that the right place for me. And so when I realized my biological mom was not the best human for me to be with, 
I finally severed the ties and I was able to stand up in court and tell her and the judge, I no longer want you to be my mom anymore. And it allowed me to be adopted. So it started life uh, like a second time, we'll call it 14. It, although I wish it was like, it's amazing at that point. Like it still is difficult because that's life. But at 14, I started the, the role of a new identity of like, I am, I'm the adopted kid. I'm not just the foster kid. This is my home. I don't look like them, but they love me like them. And so that's a whole different journey as well. Yeah, and I mean, you know, any child going through that, and we see so many children going through so much turmoil, which they never should have to go through. Um, you know, a child just wants to be wanted by their parents. Yeah. And we don't mm -hmm. understand, you know, the, the conflict they're going through, the struggles they're going through. All we know is abandonment. And then the abandonment is taken on and you think, well, I'm not worthy. Um, so therefore, you know, nobody could love me if my, if my own mother doesn't love me, right? And so yeah. there's, a, there's a hell of a lot going on in a child's simple mind. And unless somebody is aware of that and reinforces it and shows them, you know, you know, whatever your mother's decision was, it wasn't because of you, you know, what you're not yeah. to blame. And mm -hmm. we don't spend enough time, I think, with children telling them they're not to blame for the adult's actions. And yeah. uh, you carry that burden around with you, right? So, um, yeah, yeah, and it and it manifests in adulthood, and then it it affects every decision that you make, and mm -hmm. everything you went from there. Now you you talk about in that piece that I, I watched, you know that you wanted to, to to play football, but you weren't very good at catching the ball, and you spent time, <laughs> you, know, you spent hours and hours and hours and on just chucking the ball and trying to catch it just to, to perfect it because you I were didn't. determined, and it got yeah. you into the NFL. It did. Well, I, there's a lot more that got me in the NFL than chucking a football. But, yeah, no. <laughs> it's to be honest, what it was was like I I think that when I was that age, it was when I was horrible at the game. I was, you know, six years behind my peers. Like so imagine starting to play a game when people are six years ahead of you. Yeah. And so I went in and I didn't have a skill set, but I really had this desire as my phone makes noise. I had this desire to uh, to be that guy, but I didn't know the path. I didn't know the process. And at first, to be honest, I was like, I'm checking out. My adoptive mom, she got diagnosed with MS. I had played two years of football. I was horrible. I was like, I'm done with this. And I was drifting off into the background to be a statistic. And there was this girl in an English class, Mr. Howell's English class. And she's sitting there talking to somebody else. And she has no idea I'm eavesdropping kind of. And I'm like half asleep under a black jacket just on a desk. And she says, the reason I'm so bad is because I'm in foster care. And so I hear that. And at face value, it's not much, Sarah. It's just like this statement, right? But here's the thing. It was my excuse inside for giving up. Like, right. it was my excuse. And when you hear your excuse and, and you have to like settle and determine, like, is this a good one? And you hear it and you go, no, it's a stupid one. Mm -hmm. You start questioning things. Mm -hmm. So I, I remember the rest of that entire day, I had this really weird thought. It, it sat with me in my belly the entire school day. And then I went home and I sat in the edge of my bed and it just hit me. I'm like, no. It's not going to be me. And I just stood up and I looked in the mirror. There's a mirror in front of my face. And I was like, you're going to be great, Anthony. And I said it to myself a couple of times, like looking at my pupils. And it, to, be, to be honest, if you see a 15-year-old kid talking to himself, it's probably a little bit, there's a little bit off. But this was my choice. And that started the pathway for football of doing the things that took to identify mm. as a great football player. Mm -hmm. And so when I started identifying with like, okay, what is it? Well, I got to throw a football 500 times a day. It's what I did. I didn't miss a day. At the end of doing that for that many days, thousands of, of throws, hundreds of thousands, maybe, maybe 100,000, who knows? It's a lot. It was like a whole offseason. You end up getting to the point where it's like, no, this is who I am now. Like, I am a football player, right? When you have that mentality, it carries you forward. It, it could be, I'm a mom, I'm a dad, I'm a business owner, I'm a podcaster, right? When you've done the repetition. So what, what really got me to the NFL was the mentality of like, I am going to I'm going to become that person. And I did it through the actions. I didn't accidentally back then. It was just like, I'm, I'm 15 years old. I don't know yeah. what I'm doing. I don't know anything about the world, right? But that was the path. And it extrapolated over years to do the same thing stage by stage until eventually, lo and behold, boom, now I'm this guy who's a football player and I end up playing in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Well, persistence, you know, makes for for perfection, if whatever perfection is. Um, but it's also participation. You know, so many people are watching their life, ex excusing their life. You know, I'm a, a foster child or my parents are breaking up or this is happening. And it's always that exterior excuse that we use to uh, as an excuse of not to participate in our own lives. Well, if you don't like what's going on around you, 
you have the power to change what's going on within you, which will change what's going on around you, right? Because it's all perspective. So that actual conversation in the mirror is actually, as a counselor, is what I've always got people to do anyway, because it's very hard to lie to yourself when you're looking at eyeball to eyeball. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, when you're pulling the wool over your own eyes, right? And it's really hard. yeah. Yeah. So that mirror talk, you actually were ahead of the game there at 15 of doing that. Um, So, and the persistence, the determination, I'm not going to be that excuse. I am going to perfect my game. I'm going to get in there and count for something, right? Mm -hmm. It's wanting to account for something that, you know, I'm seen, I'm heard because I've participated. And a lot of people are waiting for something to happen to them, but they're not stepping up and doing something that's going to get them noticed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what happens is we, we don't even think about that in the beginning. We just start doing things and it doesn't actually play into the thoughts intentionally. We just start living our life and going through. But you're right. Over time, it becomes this thing where you do kind of lean into that. And now it's a good flow. I, the, the goal for me is always a new flow. Yeah. And if you could actually try to get into that new flow, that new that, to where it feels like the same rhythm or cadence, like life opens up differently, vastly differently. But you have to do the work to earn that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about rhythm because life is about rhythm. You know, um, the oxygen in our body, the blood flow, um, mm. the air, the water, everything is in movement, right? Yeah. It has to be in flow. And when you become stagnant, you know, that's when confusion comes in. That's when festation comes in. So we mm. always need to be in some form of fluid action um, in thought, in body, in mind, body, uh, heart and soul, because that's what kind of allows us to open up to opportunities and allows us to actually understand who we are, well, what our gift is and what mm-hmm. to do with it. So you're in the yeah. NFL mm-hmm. and uh, you have an injury which ends your career there. Yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't a plan. <laughs> no, never is. It never yeah, it was is. Right? Not the plan. It was one of those things where it's yeah, you're you're in the game, you're playing the game, you're doing your thing, and then you know you think you're gonna play forever, mm-hmm. and then yeah, I was playing against the Philadelphia Eagles with the Pittsburgh Steelers professional football, and tear my shoulder and ends up being the end of the season uh, and eventually the end of my career. So that that was really the big thing for me is is like I had to try to find a way to navigate this, yeah. uh, and and what most people do is they fall apart. And I did fall apart. That's why they have some percentage, like 75% of NFL athletes, um, they go bankrupt within like, I want to say three years of leaving the NFL. Mm-hmm. And when you have that go on most of the time, it's simply because I think for me, it's like, I, I, you don't know what you are, what value yeah. you bring to the world without football. Without well, then your whole identity is that. Yeah. And, whatever and, I spend yeah. so much time doing. Yeah. And, and honestly, it's, it's really this thing where it's, it's by choice or by chance. I think a lot of us realize, don't realize, unfortunately, that, that you have different things that will navigate your life and adjust without realizing that sometimes it's just by chance. Most yeah. times it isn't life. Most of the time people are going through life like a leaf in the wind and landing wherever pond they, they get blown to. But you actually do have a choice. Mm-hmm. And here's a scary part of the choice. The choice realistically can be one that puts you in a good place or a bad place. Mm-hmm. If it's a good place, good. You have the fear of success. What if it goes right? That's a different problem. Yes. <laughs> but I, I think sometimes there's a fear of like, what if I try this and I don't do well? How am I going to live with myself? Mm-hmm. So I'd much rather not go out that way. And so we don't think about the fact that you do have a choice and we, we do have an opportunity, but it really gets it's a little bit dicey for a lot of people because we, we feel like we just were these people running around lives and things just happened to us. Like, no, man, you have a, a great depth of control over your life, even if it's controlling how you respond to situations. And we've all heard that before, but I don't think people genuinely understand what that means and how it ties in. I mean, in abstaining from a choice is a choice. You know, we yeah. can't avoid choices, you know, mm-hmm. and as you said, you know, um, come, you know, we're looking at the Olympics right now. Many athletes, you know, have either been injured or, you know, um, through some circumstance, not being able to, to actually play and their entire lives is being geared up to this and their entire identity. And I think what we've got to do is, is realize we are a person, you are Anthony, who was an NFL player. Yeah. You aren't the NFL player, Anthony. You know, if there is that division, you are doing it. And, you know, that particular story came to an end, but it's not the end of your book. It just means a new chapter. And I think mm-hmm. we also have to allow time for the grieving. You know, because you've put so much into that, it's come to an end. You've got to allow that grieving process to go through and then step back and go, okay, what aptitudes that I put into the NFL that I can now put forward into something else? Mm. Yeah, that's really what it boils down to. But people don't think that way because I am this thing. I gave this metaphor of like a tree and to think of it like this, 
a lot of us go into the world and we, we live these lives. We, we develop this amazing fruit of our labor. Like my fruit was football. And for some right. people, it's the marriage, it's the career, it's the car. And what happens is that fruit falls off a tree and you feel like the fruit. It's just desolate. I'm horrible. I, it, and, and what the feeling ends up being is this thought of like, man, it just sucks. Now, the fruit can hang on the, on the ground for a little bit. It doesn't immediately get rotten, right? right? So you can last for a little bit, six months, a year, mm. maybe two years, right? But eventually the fruit is going to rot. Yes. And when it rots, you feel like that because you've put all your all into this and now it's gone. But here's the problem that people don't comprehend, Sarah, is you have never, we have never been the fruit. Mm. You've always been a tree. Mm-hmm. Always mm-hmm. been the tree. Mm-hmm. Now for me, I didn't realize that. So I ruined my life because I came home after football and the fruit came off and I was like, I suck. So I stopped watering the tree, giving it the right mm-hmm. nutrients, pruning the branches. So my marriage fell apart. My parenting fell apart. My body fell apart. Everything because I was only focused on one piece of fruit and not right. going how do I take care of the tree? Because when you take care of the tree, you can produce more and sweeter fruit in your mm-hmm. life. But people think they're just the fruit. Right. The whole identity goes into that. When that identity goes, they're shattered. And, you know, yeah. we, we are also multidimensional creatures with so many chapters in our book of life that if, if we looked at something as, okay, that adventure is over, what more is in me? What other path is out there? What, what skills can I take from this and move forward into something else? What else can I get passionate about? Because we think, oh, I can only be passionate about that. I'll never have that passion again. We will always have another passion for something. It may not be measured in the same way. It's different. But if we're willing to actually explore life and really be excited about the possibilities out there, you know, many things open up to us. And it's only if we're willing to actually open our eyes, our hearts, our souls, and see it, mm-hmm. that we're actually going to understand what that next chapter is. Yeah, true. And most people won't because the, here's the weird thing is even when you're going through troubles and situations, especially in today's world with social media, no one wants anybody to see them sweat. Right. <laughs> and, what, and what you're talking about is ideal. It, it's, it's correct, right? I got to work on stuff. But mm-hmm. most people... Their ego will not give them permission to improve. So they stay in that cycle of suck over and over because my ego wants to protect this thing and I don't want anybody to see me be bad and see me fall apart. So I'll make it look better than it actually is. Right. Oh, I'm great. And you're not really doing great. Look at my cool stuff, but that's all rented. And yes. your, your, your credit cards all you know running yes. up the bill. And so, so we end up getting to the point where it's very difficult for us to really get to that point of like actually understanding like, hey, it's okay to not be perfect. As, and we talk about it. And even people even go like this. Sarah's hilarious. They do this. They go, I'm not perfect. And then the moment something comes up that is imperfect. Oh, no, no, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> so, so are you or are you not? Like that's kind of back and forth. So mm-hmm. that, that's, the, that's the thing that I think we, we are right. We're touching directly on one of the biggest, I think, human issues right now of navigating the parts that are difficult to get to the places that are beautiful. Let's understand what ego is. Ego is wanting to live up to other people's expectation or image of you, right? Mm-hmm. And it just yeah. takes so much work to maintain that image where everybody else is going to have a different point of view of you, a different perspective of what you are. And if you're trying to fit into everybody else's illusion of you, you're the one that's going to become delusional. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. lose ourselves so much in this expectation of trying to live up to somebody else's point of view of who we really are. And the yeah. person we're letting down is ourselves. Mm-hmm. All the time. Because then you have, to, you have to live with that. And yeah. Imagine like you have to live with the life you've created, <laughs> right? Yes. It's, it's crazy. Yes. And if, you, if you create the life that somebody wanted you to, it's great. You know what I tell people is you got to create your own scale. Mm-hmm. We, we live this life with this arbitrary scale that we borrow from the world. Mm-hmm. And then we, we go out and, and we, we fight really hard to get it. And then what's crazy is the, the world scale, it's, it's like jelly, it's mm-hmm. water. It's, never, it's not solid. So what happens is even if you do accomplish something great, someone comes along and goes, yeah, you did that, but you didn't do this. Mm-hmm. And immediately you go, oh, mm-hmm. right? I know. Yeah. So for me, I set my own scale. I, right mm-hmm. now, Sarah, I am in season of dad, 100% season of dad. Excellent. What that means is I turn down speeches I got an argument with my, my speaking agent recently because she wanted me to fly in before at one point for a speech the day of my twin's birthday because I have a day after. I was like, I'm not doing it. No. I'm flying in the morning up. She's like, no, you got to come the day. I'm like, it's not going to happen. 
well, we got to get you there. Well, then I'm going to have to be there. The whole thing's around you and your life. And I was like, and, yeah. and their whole event is based on you as the key guy. And I'm like, yes. I love that. And I appreciate that. But I would much rather have a room full of people pissed at me yes. than my children. Right. I miss their birthday. And they're going to be pissed at you for much, much longer than that exactly. room of people. Yes. So, and if I, I got to give you money back, you know, that's the kind of thing where it's like, but that's the thing. And so for me, that's my scale. Yes. And I also have people that, that go, Aunt, man, you're doing great, but you could do this. And this, if you, mm -hmm. if you would have put more time here and I'm like, you're right, I could, but guess what? Like my scale, well, I'm happy with it right now. In order for me to adopt your scale to feel good, I would have to sacrifice family time and being president for me. It, that's not, that's not on my scale. Right. So I don't have the world scale. I have my own scale and it makes me happy and I love my life. And so that's the thing is I think people are adopting the wrong scale for life. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I love this word flawsome. You know, and every single one of us is flawed, but you know, we're also awesome, you know, because if we actually look at how strong or courageous and the abilities that we have had and the fact that we keep getting back up, you know, yeah. that we keep moving forward and we keep going, okay, that didn't work. That wasn't me. Uh, you know, I'm going to try two stepping over here and give this a try, but at mm -hmm. least trying, right? Until you find that, that niche, that groove, that, that rhythm that you really is uh, right for you. Yeah. When you're in that rhythm and you're going at your own flow, don't step out of that flow that really feels good for you. Because no. if you do, you're out of rhythm and it takes a long time to get back into it. You're at, a, you're at a beautiful frequency right now and everybody wants a piece of that frequency. But if you step outside of that, you're going to lose that groove and all of a sudden they don't want you because you're not in that groove anymore. You fall back and then the tune sucks and no one wants to listen to your song. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the, the most yeah. important thing that we tell people is just be yourself. At whatever yeah. level you're at in your life, it's not about, you know, um, I've got to be better than I was yesterday. It's just that the happier I am with me as a person doing what I'm doing and it's coming from the heart. And the soul connection, you feel it, you know that it's coming from the inside out, then that is actually the most beautiful gift you could give yourself and give anybody else around you. True. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if, if you are the fullest you, like I have people in my life that don't do what I do. And, mm -hmm. and most people that do what I do, they look down upon those who aren't free and don't you know, have a nine to five. And what are you doing in that? And I, I had that mentality early on. And then I realized the majority of my friends I've had for 27, almost 30 years, I want to say, they all have nine to five jobs. But here's mm -hmm. what I love. When I'm with them, we're happy. Yes. You know why we're happy? Because they do something they like to do. Yes. <laughs> yes. They do something that they love doing. And I don't have, any, have to have any, pass any judgments on that. Like, it's like. just, we're all happy. We're parents. You got that? Hey, let's go. We can have a barbecue. We can watch TV. We can watch, we're just, we're good friends. Because I think when people find a thing that makes them happy, it makes every relationship better. Like my marriage works amazingly well. My wife doesn't get what I do. She's like, I get what you do. I see it. And I love the, the impact you make. She's like, but I really don't know. She's yeah. like, it's, you know, so like, but she lets me do what I do to be happy and to fulfill the world. And I love it. And she does what she does. And I know what she does, but like, I wouldn't be happy doing what she does. And right? she would throw up every morning if she had to do what I do. Like, <laughs> exactly. <she's> like, <laughs> she won't get on podcasts, nothing. Now here's the thing. I make me happy. She makes her happy. Mm -hmm. We come together happy. And when you come together and happy, that interlocking. You make happiness. Absolutely. And, good. and everybody benefits her from it. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it. that wonderful vibration, that wonderful aura that goes out there, everybody wants a piece of that. Well, yeah. they've got to find their own happiness and kind of bring it to the orchestra of life, right? You know, find yeah. your own instrument. And that's, you know, what, you know, what you talk about with the, you know, with the identity. Um, you know, I'm always saying that you know, every single one of us is given a gift and we might even mm -hmm. be given multiple gifts for our life until we find that gift that we really feel comfortable with. Learn yeah. how to play it, bring it to the orchestra, play that harmonious music that becomes an invitation for everyone else. Yeah. You know, it don't compare. Competition is great at the Olympics and in the games. Yes, it's very exciting. But when you start competing at everything in life against someone else, you're losing your own identity. All when you're long. comparing, you're losing your identity. Mm -hmm. You are okay in who you are as long as you're being honest with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because that's the thing that we all need, man, especially now more than, I mean, quite literally ever in society's time for, since I've been alive. I mean, this is a time when we have so much going on. And what's even worse is with the uptick of, of change, like everything is changing around people. 
And that change isn't just the world changing. We adapt to our, our world. Like we always do. And a matter of fact, we are creating things that are changing us. If you think about yes. you're creating tools, devices that are changing our physical anatomy. We get arthritis early. Our back gets running because mm -hmm. we're staring at our phones all day. We sit down more than we probably should sit down, right? Because mm -hmm. we're staring at screens. So we're creating things. And so as the environment changes, we change with it. But when it's unexpected change yeah. and the pandemic hits and we change yes. and we don't know who we are, it's already a problem. But even mm -hmm. then, if you know who you are, but you lose who you are and don't know how to mm -hmm. get you back, it's even worse. It's doubly worse for a lot of people. So we're in this, this epidemic of, of not just a pandemic of sickness, but an epidemic of, of identity being lost and people don't know how to handle it. And that's why so many people fall short. There's mental issues because you didn't know who you are. I don't think it's just I'm, I'm incapable of handling the hardship. I think it's I don't know who I am. And when that's when you're met with that, you're just in survival mode and we can only survive for so long. Right. I mean, if you're constantly looking for validation from the outside, you're always going to be lost on the inside because understanding who you are and the gift of who you are, the presence of who you are, the essence of who you are is an inside out job. Mm -hmm. right? And you've yeah. got to be willing to do the work. Just as yeah. you, you work to get into the NFL, you work to do your podcasting, you work to do the book, everything yeah. else you do is work. Now, it doesn't have to be work groomstone no. it can be exciting like what am i going to discover today i mean i've been doing this nine years gosh i've had many faux pas you know yeah, computers going down or this happening or that happening you go yeah. with the flow you make light of it sometimes you get angst about it okay get angst and let it go but yeah. keep moving forward and it's if you're not doing it if you're not loving what you're doing if you're not connected with it and every morning you get up and go, it doesn't matter what kind of day it is. I'm looking forward to doing this because this is what I love doing. I love the impact. I love the people. I love um, every, everything that it brings out in you as a person. Yeah. If you're not doing that, then you need to keep looking until you find something that is that heart connection. Because when yeah. that heart connection is there, you can't help but just be honest with your heart. I, I tell people you got to fall in love with the day and not the destination. Oh, the, everything you just said is all that summed up. That's what I call it. Because we all end up falling in love with the destination in our heads and this, you know, thinking about the journey. Yeah, right? and then and then what you're doing is you're you're only happy when you get there. Right. And that's that's a tough thing to think about. Because where are you located? You're over the pond. You're in like you got an accent. So where are you located? Oh well, I'm I'm British, but I live in British Columbia, Canada. Oh, awesome. Well, let's say, let's say you were still in Britain. I had to go over the pond to visit you. We're just going to say that just as a random thing. Mm -hmm. So let's say this, if I had to get over there, if I left my house, this is the journey. If I left my house and, and uh, all of a sudden the, the, the car gets a flat on the way to the airport and I get to the airport and my flight is like, it's, I'm running in the hallway to get there. And then I just missed the flight. I get the next flight and the way over, I'm sitting next to a baby and the baby cries the whole time. And I, and then the, the, the airplane was hot. There was no air conditioning. And I land the plane and I find out that I got to get to my hotel, but my hotel is in a different place because we got the wrong hotel, whatever it is. Yeah. It's going to be a beautiful room though. It'll be a beautiful yeah. room. We get you there. We say, Hey, sir, we're going to get you a great room. You got to wait here though. And then while I'm waiting there, a fire drill takes place. I got to run outside and it's raining outside. Right. When I get to the room, I don't care how great the room is. I'm not going to be happy. I'm yep. going to be pissy. I'm going to be pissed because like I, I had a sucky journey. And even if it's the great destination, right. ah, I don't like it. Yeah. Now, hindsight, I leave my, my house and I'm, I get in a, in a taxi because for some reason the car didn't show up like an MS. I got a taxi to the airport and I get to the airport. They say, sir, we're going to upgrade you to first class. Oh, let's do it. First class. I fly all the way there. I get to sleep. I get a great meal. I land. They say, you know what? Hey, we're going to get you to your hotel. It's a, a beautiful, they sent a great new shuttle and a taxi. They pick you up. They take you. They say, we're going to stop off at a cool restaurant, give you a free meal. Oh, it's the free meal. And I get that hotel. They say, sir, your room is ready. And I get there and like, I walk in, it's not ready. Even if it's not ready, I'm like, Hey, it's cool. I'll it's wait. Fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the journey was amazing. Yes. And the destination, when I get there, it's like, cool. So a lot of people are, they are only in love with the, the destination. Yeah. They hate the journey. So what ends up happening is it all, it all sucks. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, love and find a way to fall in love with every single day. Because if you do that, the destinations just happen to come. And if you do hit them and they're like, amazing, it's great, but it's, you want to get back to the journey. Yeah. And that for me is the way I look at living my life. I, I, and everything you just described about flights at one point or another has happened to me. So, you know, I've been on those kind of journeys and it is, you know, it is about, well, at least I got there. You know, the journey might not have been so pleasant, uh, but you, you make the most of it. And you, you, you always be very thankful. I think one of the huge words that we don't use enough is gratitude. 
yeah. being grateful yeah. for the fact that you can actually get on a plane and go on a journey. And mm-hmm. in this last 18 months, we've actually realized exactly what a gift that is of being yeah. actually going to see people and being in contact with people and being able to hug people again. Right. Mm-hmm. So we don't we don't appreciate gratitude. And so many people are living in the expectation. I've got to prepare for tomorrow, tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow, tomorrow. And I think, you know, it's OK to plant seeds for today. Do a little watering, do some nurturing. But if you're not living in today, tomorrow is never going to come because tomorrow you're busy worrying about the next day. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Yes. It's a, it's and then your life has gone by and you go, well, what have I done with it? Yeah. You forgot yeah. to live in yeah. the moment, in the gift of the present. And we all talk about this. The problem is I know someone's sitting there going, it sounds good, Anthony and Sarah. How in the world do I do this? And that, that is where I, I always spend my mental time because this is not something like we're talking about the problem and everybody talks about the problem. Part of my head's always been like, how do I become part of the solution? Mm-hmm. And, and by all means, I think some of the start of the solution, we alluded to it earlier, it's like giving yourself the ability to pull the egos to the side and go yes. like, hey, I, I need to improve. And then here's what I tell people. We have something called the shift method that is it's mm-hmm. literally designed to make these shifts to live in this space we're talking about. And for me, the first stage of it is, is always Take a look at yourself. There's a statement I love and it goes, it's hard to see the label when you are inside of the jar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are running around with these, the, in these jars of life mm-hmm. just, and that's they don't understand thing. how they are living, what they yeah. are, who they are. And so, yeah, lo and behold, you're, that's why relationships keep falling apart. Mm-hmm. That's why you can't stay healthy. It's why you keep losing jobs or mm-hmm. you, you can't seem to keep friendships. Well, it's not them. It can't be everybody. You're the common no. denominator in all your problems. So for honest, so if you can see the label, then you can go, Oh, you know what? It really hurts emotionally to to accept and hear that. That's my problem. That that, that's me. But you know what? Now I can give myself permission to improve there and that will help clear the pace, the pathway to improve your life. So it starts there all the time. Permission. You know, I know. So, you know, we point finger at everybody else is three pointing back at you. You know, mm. what, where's yeah. your accountability? Where's your participation? If you don't like where you're at, what are you doing to change it? It's not going to happen sitting on your butt moaning about it. You've got to look at, I'm clearly doing something wrong here. I need to change my pattern or I need to mm. get rid of some old beliefs or I need mm. to really understand what is it I really want. And that means slow down. Take the time to really look at something. Is it really important? That label on the outside. Well, if you're a jar of pickles and somebody thinks you're cucumbers, yeah, then it's important. But it's not important to you until you know who you are. Because you you will stand out as that cucumber. Everybody's going to know you're that that cucumber. If you stand tall, it's the cucumber in the jar. Right? So, (laughs) you know, we are so busy chasing the identity of what society says we should be. And you know, with the NFL, the image that you had to live up to. Yeah. The expectation you have to to live up to. All day, every day. The pedestal you put up to, but God forbid you should do anything wrong because then they knock their legs out of that pedestal and off you come back down again. Yeah. So you're on a constant seesaw all the time. Now, if you go into that wonderful equilibrium and flow of I am who I am, I'm in my own self discovery, I'm Mm -hmm. understanding what my aptitudes are, what my gifts are, what I really stand for. What's my meaningful purpose? What is my passion? And you step into those in that discovery and you embrace them. All of a sudden, your identity is formed. It's not like, I want to know what my identity is. Give it to me now. No, slow down. Take a breath. Take the journey. Yeah, it's formed. And the thing is, we've always been on the journey. The identity aspect, that's actually where my work is. That's where I spend my time is working. It's not sexy at at first sound. Oh, identity. uh, Right. But the way that I look at it and explain to people why it's so important to look at is everything we desire in life. It, it comes not simply because of what we know, but it's who we are. Mm-hmm. And, and we all of us think it's this um, we, we think it's it's this thing where like, I just I need to know the book stuff or the course, the network. And it's like, that's all good. But there's a moment I guarantee what took place was at some point somebody had the information and they had a dream and they got to a point and said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do it tomorrow. My wife's bugging me. The kids are doing some stuff. I'm just, you know, I'm going to push, I'm going to do it next week, whatever it is. And I ask people when I work with them, it's kind to say, well, didn't you say you had this, this dream? Yeah. Okay. Well, let me tell you that answer this question. The person who has that life you said you want, mm-hmm. would they make this excuse right now? 
would they would they sit on their laurels? Would they slow down? And 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 the answer we know is like no. So what I realize it really isn't a matter of of a life being what I want to have, but it's like if I become that person, I'll naturally have those things. If I was that person, I'd already have it. So an identity is an imperative thing to start thinking about. How do I shift it into that? Now the good thing is you build it brick by brick, day by day. It's not. It's not this thing you wake up one day and go, I hummed on a pillow and heard a bell ring. You know, it's not. I downloaded an app. Yeah. It's like I built it. Now, the good thing is when done properly, you'll you'll zone out as you build it. Mm -hmm. Like you'll just you'll zone out. If you think you ever like gone to the coffee shop, you drink tea. I'm assuming I love tea. Oh, no, I'm a coffee drinker. Are you a coffee? Oh, Oh, absolutely. Black coffee all the way. Well, well, if we do hang out, you have coffee, I'll have tea. So. If you think about it, I go to a coffee shop, right? And I go to the coffee shop and the first couple of minutes, I'm scrolling through my phone. I know I'm supposed to be working right now though. And then after a while I go, oh, I got to focus. And then like the first five minutes, Sarah, it's like, like, you know, your brain's like trying to focus. Mm-hmm. And then all, all of a sudden you pop up and it's been two hours. Mm-hmm. It's like, where'd the time go, right? That's how an actual identity shift works. When you, when you plan it properly, mm-hmm. figure out your areas, you start thinking what you have to do individually for you. When you start doing the work, the first week, two weeks. It's like, it's, you're thinking about it, but after a while, it just, it gets to be this new rhythm. Like you yes. talked about this, this new cadence. And all of a sudden I wake up six months later and go, Holy crap. I, I got more money in the business. My body feels better. My relationships yeah. are good. And it's like, and you try to think back, like you try to put your head in the same space. Mm-hmm. It was before you can't do it. You think yeah. different, feel different, yeah. see different. It's. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when I realized that I was like, Oh, success isn't predicated upon the information and the network and how much money you got. It's right. like, Am I the person? Because if you're the person and you think a certain way and flow a certain way, that stuff's an inevitability. Yes. It's step by step. You know, let's, let's use the analogy of the Olympians right now. Whatever sport they're doing, they had to start at the bottom line. A lot of bruises, yeah. a lot of falls, a lot of knocks, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, for them, they're working for that one moment, that one moment of achievement. And, um, I look at it that even if the fact that they've made it to the Olympics are already a winner, because not everybody can actually get the gold. Um, it's yeah. that attitude of, um, I didn't fail. I succeeded to the best yeah. of my ability, right? We look too much at failure and we measure that failure uh, to somebody else's success. That's their success. What's yeah. your success? And how do you deem success? Did you get up today? Did you achieve something today? Did you have an impact on someone's life today? Did you leave the end of your work day and feel good about what you did today? That's success in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's really success because then it's a matter of you gauging yourself based on things that, that are the things to gauge on and not the arbitrary voice of the world. And, and I think it's difficult. We do live in this world nowadays. We're, we're taking on other people's perspectives. Mm. And then it's a sea of voices that none of them are sound. And as much as we live in a world where it's, it's I believe, like you have a constitutional right in America to have free speech. Um, I don't think everybody needs a voice. Right. And like, I think they I need to check that voice before they start you know, using it. <laughs> and it's, and it's, not, it's not a thing that, because I love to hear people's perspectives, but mm. some people... They're not, they're, they're not purposely trying, they're trying to deter. They're yes. purposely trying to egg on, yes. cause problems. And it's easy to do behind a computer with no oh, face-to-face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't think everybody needs to say something, but you're right. Like people let too many voices in and the voices are ones that shouldn't be in. And then we start mm-hmm. questioning. It's just a downward spiral. There's no positive. You kind of have to put blinders up and create amazing boundaries to be able to stay in the bubble of who am I, who I want to be, what am I creating? And then stay in that vein. But even for athletes, I mean, I played at a high level. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult. It's hard to tune it all out. But if you don't have a practice for it or right. a, a safe space for it, you will get torn up in the tornado of all the crazy. Right. Oh, boy. And, you know, plenty of tornadoes out there in every, every single way that we look at. It, it's constantly going on around us. And it's very easy just if you put one foot wrong to get caught up in that tornado and it's damn hard to get back out of it again. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've, I want to look at e-commerce a little bit. You know, I do an awful lot of business shows and, and what is a delight to see nowadays is companies are now realizing that if they invest in their staff, if they invest in their employees, the employees put more productivity with the clientele they're serving. The clientele is happy with the company and the service they're getting, so they purchase more and the enrichment is there. But the enrichment comes in as making the people feel valued. 
making them feel secure, appreciating who they are, and that appreciation gets handed on, and then the abundance comes. If you're looking at, I'm going to squeeze people for as much money as I can get, because I've got to have this amount of money in order to have status, it's rape and pillaging everybody along the way. And we're seeing a difference coming out in business. So whatever business you're in, if you're looking at the dollar sign as being your motive, I think you really need to rethink because it's the impact that you leave on the people where the enrichment is, where the abundance is. The yeah. dollar will come in whichever way, but it's not the dollar value. that should lead the sign. Yeah. No, it shouldn't. Because, I mean, if you think about a dollar, it just it holds a value. Yeah. And, and, and like anything holds a value. We get that it's supposed to hold a value. But it's interesting is like the value of the dollar can adjust and can change. But like the value for yourself is a vastly different up and down. <laughs> and Definitely. The value for people. No so amount of money can buy your value, right? There no. is a, there should never be a dollar mark on you, which of course, you know, when you are in things like the NFL, yes, you know, the six million dollar NFL guy, and that you yeah, know, and yeah, you've yeah. got to live up to that standard, right? And so it's uh, yeah, it's very easy to get caught up into that instead yeah, of. And that's the word. You know. The problem is the world we live in is based off of money, right? You, can, yes. you can't. I mean, my business doesn't run off of handshakes and hugs. If it did, I'd be a wealthy man, right? But right, yes. The, re- the reality is there's things there. But if you can understand, there's a great book by Lynn Twist called The Soul of Money. And if you if you dig into the book, man, she breaks out a lot of concepts where like money's a facilitator. Mm-hmm. I actually went on a show what recently called Money Is, and like that was the first time anybody used that, but money is a facilitator. Yeah. And if you look at it, it can facilitate great relationships, great experiences. Mm-hmm. And if properly done, it's a currency. Yes. And currency, if you think about current, if something goes out, the current will flow back. So if yes. you facilitate money properly and let it out the right way, pay your workers, treat them right, do these yes. things, the money will flow back to you. Always. But people don't think about it that way. No, no. And if it goes into the same thing as um, I have a dream, I have a passion, but I don't have the money to do it. Well, then mm-hmm. you, don't, you start small, right? Yeah. You start small. Mm-hmm. And we, ha- we have to understand that in anything we do, we are our brand. Yeah. Right. It doesn't matter what you do. My son has a restaurant. Everybody knows that my son is the restaurant. Right. You know, because it's it's his flavor that's in that restaurant. So that's the kind of the the heart and soul. And for him, you walk out with a happy smile on your face and a happy tummy. He's Mm -hmm. happy. That's where the love and the passion is. Put your love and passion into something. Every time you're doing it, you're giving some of your heart away somebody's yeah. partaking of that heart yeah they can't help but feel you and that feeling ignites that feeling within themselves always does i agree show up as a good human man good people find good people they do it's um it goes back to that frequency right the good 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 vibrations by the beats boys you know and it is that because yeah. we want to be around people on that frequency because they're on the same wavelength they've they're looking at um putting their heart foot forward and, you know, and when you see other people stepping out and helping someone else, not Mm -hmm. dictating, not, I'm going to sell you a program, but I'm there to help you brother or sister, just to help someone get on their feet, whether they return the gift or not, or just pay it forward. The gift is always there because if we can actually give a gift, the receiving of that gift is already a gift back to us. True. Yeah, I agree, man, because you're part of it. You're part of the experience. Yes. Even, even if I think there's one thing like when I like I grew up in foster care, right? So my kids, mm. they, they have a different upbringing. And I, there's this interesting dynamic where I, I tell them, look, I am I'm incredibly close with my kids. I know all of them. I know what they do. Like, I, was, I probably you know, there's going to be things you don't know about them, but I'm really, really close to my children. However, I am miles away from their childhood experience. Mm-hmm. I have no I have no way. However, I get to experience that from this side of the coin. I get to experience a parental child relationship in an amazing way, but I just don't get to do it as the kid, mm-hmm. but I get to enjoy that because I've helped create that relationship. So same as you give a gift, mm-hmm. you're, you're part of the exchange. Yes. You may have received it, but that you do get an emotional bump in a positive way, being part of that experience. So when people sign up with you, whether they're signing up to have you as a speaker or the, the zone identity uh, training or the strategy call or choosing a program, they're clearly signing up. You know, it's like when Harry met Sally, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> you know, they're, they're signing yeah, up yeah. to feel like you're feeling. That's really what they're wanting. You know, he feels good. He clearly loves what he's doing. He's got the passion. They want to ignite that passion within themselves. 
So they're signing up for that. How do you help yeah. them in the programming to kind of step into their own identity and embrace the awesomeness that, that lies within? Yeah, well, first off, I, I think I go through a process, right? So I think the one thing that people in my position don't plan on doing, and they don't always do this, is weird, is people choose to wing it. Like the, the, the way that we do it has nothing really to do with Anthony, except for I'm the guy that made the process to walk mm -hmm. through. It's like saying, um, you know, if I wanted a good hamburger, I had to go see, you know, Ray Kroc every time, you know, like, no, like there's a system that walks out in front of. So when I work with people, we go through what's called the shift method. It's actually in my new book. I, I put the back half of the book, the, the really baseline understanding of it. So if you're able to go through that, it'll actually lock it in. You can get the gist of it. But the 50,000 foot view is we go through the three steps three simple steps to get you into what I call your zone identity. Cause you're asking about how do I get there? When you're at that space, I say you're living in the zone. It's an identity that, that is operating. It's, it's got confidence. You're focused, disciplined, you're consistent, no distractions. Like everything seems to melt away and you flow into a great space, but there's a reason why you're not there. And what I look at first is the C stage. It's finding and seeing your zone lags. Mm. What, are the, what are the things that are slow? Where are the, the parachutes pulling you back that you're not able to see right now in your blind spots? What's the label on your jar? And so now I can go, okay, great. We figured out what it is. And it's hard work. Yeah. That is like emotionally deep, like, oh, okay, that sucks to hear, but I get it, right? Yeah. The next thing is we create an individualized shift plan. So when I talked about earlier, it's like everything that you do, you build it brick by brick, day by day. And, and you, you got to almost like disappear and then come back and like, oh, right. The way you do it is like, you have to have confidence and you have to have some certainty that the things I'm doing today are putting me in control to have my desired tomorrow. And most people don't plan that way. They just like, they, they go off emotion. Yeah. I want a better marriage. I want to have a better body. I want to have a better business. They just, they, that's all I want. I hope and I'm going to work real hard, but there's no plan. So yeah. I go back and say, let's actually make the brick by brick, day by day, hour by hour, 15 minutes by 15 minutes, if necessary, the plan to where we can have you show up, just do the work and you'll zone out. Yes. What is the day? The, here's what I tell people, your planner, your day should tell you what to do. Yeah, you shouldn't wake up and go, what do I feel like doing today? Because feelings are fleeting and you won't feel like fixing your life one day and then just go. It's downhill. the structure, you know, like no it's building is just built from the first floor up. You have to have a good no. foundation and that the solid the that foundation is, the solid the building is going to be right. It's going Always to weather is. the storm. So Always. you have to build that structure. Um, yeah, I have a routine before I do any yeah. show. I know what I'm going to do for the first hour before even I start my first show of the day. And it yeah. puts me in the mindset. It yes. puts me in the preparation. So you, mm -hmm. you, you're developing that kind of structure, that yeah. rhythm um, that you know that is going to take you step-by-step step into the zone you need to be in whatever business you're going to be in. But that foundation, if you don't build that, then there's no quick fix on that. There's it's going none. to be only as solid, as you said, brick by brick. And the more, you, um, the more you actually participate in that, focus on that, the quicker yeah. you'll get the foundation done. Yeah. And it'll suck building it. You'll, you'll yeah. stub some Sweats. toes and yeah. smack some fingers, right? But that's right. the part of it. The yes. reality is if you stay the course, you eventually, here's the thing is you will build this thing. You will, the cool thing is with the process we use, we're, we're always trying to achieve something. But the whole purpose is not just to achieve, but to transform while you achieve. Right. So you're going to be met with moments that are give you resistance to build stronger muscles for life on yeah. that journey. Yeah. So we have, we just put the plan out in place and say, what does it look like to do that? What is the, what's the blueprint for this building? Right. Mm -hmm. The last piece is what's called your discipline system. It's the sustain phase. A lot of us need to get to the point of understanding how you got to be disgustingly disciplined and consistent to make this happen. I say disgusting on purpose. Like it should be gross. Like this person <laughs> just doesn't miss. Right. Right. And so if you can be in that level, what ends up happening is you get into that rhythm and that flow to where it just seems to happen. And all of a sudden it's just disciplined and you got mm -hmm. that job done. And it, here's the thing. There's a beauty that takes place in this transition, this phase. And what it looks like at first is, oh my gosh, oh, I have to do that. Mm. And the more you do it and it becomes who you are to do it, eventually go, oh my gosh, I can't not do that. Right. And, and the important thing too is there's a, a lot of old programming comes up and mm -hmm. that's resistance, all right? This old programming wants you to go down this other way. Oh, no, 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 no. You can skip that. You've got to go this way. And it yeah. try entices you, the shortcuts or just like, well, I've always done it this way. And you've mm -hmm. got to look at that old programming just like we would on a computer. Are you a programming that's still serving me because if you're slowing my computer down, I need to delete you. You are obsolete. 
And we yeah. need to look up those old programs now and again and go, okay, are you serving me? No, thank you very much for the past. Goodbye. And we yeah. have to be willing to say goodbye. You have to be, because if not, then you end up going to the same cycle and you live the same life over and wonder why things don't get better and change. And then right. there's no one to blame but yourself. That's the scary part is once you become aware of this stuff, you can't put it back in the box. No. And what it turns out being is you have to then genuinely sit back and go, you know what? The sad part is like, I complained about this and I have friends that complain about stuff and I go, well, did you say anything? No, but you're aware of it, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. So at this point, if you say nothing and you do nothing, the only person that you can blame is you. Well, it's not my fault. She did that. Did you say something? Well, no, I don't feel like, Hey, <laughs> I'm yeah. the same thing. How uh, is anybody gotta... going to know how you feel if you do not express yeah. yourself? Right. You have to, yeah. and then you have to, you have to take it into yourself and, and take ownership of it all. Right. Very, yeah. very importantly to do so. So I know that you have another show coming up. So would you please share how do people get hold of your book? How do they get hold of you and get into your programming? How do they book you for a speaker? All that good stuff, huh? Well, the best way is if you want to follow me on social media, Instagram at Anthony Trucks, the best way. Uh, to be honest, if you want to find out about me, more my story, all the cool things, anthonytrucks.com is where everything fits. Uh, the speaking stuff's all there. Um, but I think a great starting point is the book. So if people go to identityshiftbook.com and go through the three stages, you go get the book, you can bring the receipt back and the code, which is going to be SDM for you guys, special for the show. Uh, then what ends up happening is you will get, along with the purchase of the book, the first 10 people, I'm going to send them a second book that's autographed by me. Um, but what I'm going to do for everybody is everyone gets the audio book, the digital book, and a workbook that goes along with the actual book. So you can actually go through our best modules to actually be able to apply the stuff we talk about. And that, that actually puts you in the moment. You're not reading something, putting it down and go, okay, where do I start? You know, oh, you you're inspired by something and it's like, ah, now I can actually put things down and participate and you're yeah. getting into that groove and not waiting to try and rediscover the groove later. Nope. It's called increasing cognitive rigor. Yeah. You learn Interactive. Something, and do something yeah. to drive it back in hundred percent. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much for here for sharing yeah. today and for your whole journey. I mean, look where you've come from, look where you are now. You didn't get there by accident. Mm -hmm. um, you were willing to take the journey. You were willing to actually understand what the journey was. I think a great deal of that is, is that you knew how much loss you had before and you knew yeah. how much you had to gain. And in order to gain, you've got to work at it and get into that flow and that groove in order to appreciate what you can have. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Thank you so much for being with us here today, Anthony. And to everyone else, remember, reach out to his site, anthonytux.com, uh, get the book. If you've listened to this show, remember, it's the first 10, did you say? Yep, the first 10 people. Okay, and then reach out because this is going to benefit you or whatever crossroads you are in your life, even if you're in the flow. And you know that, oh, there's another stage to go. I don't want to get complacent in this flow. I want to keep moving forward. You know, reach out because we always need to keep moving forward. Our journey doesn't end until we exit this body. Then the True. soul journey carries on, but the bodies <laughs> come to an end. That was our destination, folks. It's yeah. about the journey, not about the destination. So until next time, folks, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. You will hear many, many shows here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. We have new shows for you out every week. Just find them on our podcast or, or what's new. If you feel that you have something to share that makes a difference in the lives of others, or you too feel that you could be a host, please contact me at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com and we will be glad to speak with you. Have a wonderful day.